Hello and welcome to Nerd Subculture. I'm your host, Jared. And I'm Edwina. And we're doing a Once More Feeling series on Buffy the Vampire Slayer today. And today's episode, Eddie, is Season 4, Episode 10. Hush! This episode... <laughs> this episode originally aired December 14th, 1999. Written and directed by Joss Whedon. We can say his name. I think he deserves credit for this. I think, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, this is one of those high art, you know, high conceptual art concepts mm. that he did just to challenge himself. Yeah. Because he was known as the, you know, you know, Buffy was known for that witty banter, so it was just him setting a little challenge for himself. Can you do it without the banter? Can you do it without the banter? <laughs> yes. Yes, the answer is yes, you can. Yes, you can, and you create this, Absolutely, yeah. this wonderful masterpiece that mm. is Hush. So this is definitely I want uh, I suppose I ask a fan favorite Eddie favorite it's a yes and a yes. Oh, uh, it's yeah, it's definitely what like one of the best episodes of. So top tier Buffy this one. This yeah. is this is in a league of its own, <laughs> Buffy. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a few of these high concept episodes that are, they're just in a league of their own. Like I don't think any TV show is quite topped. <laughs> no, when it really. Come, yeah, yeah. Would would you say the best episode ever? Would they? Would this? Oh, uh, you know what? No, no, no. Okay, not the best. No, but of of the high concept ones, yes. Yeah. Would you yeah. say top ten? I uh, I'd say top five. Top five. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Top five. There's there's a few really stand out. Oh, there's probably. Five or six that are just very standout episodes. They're very different. Mm-hmm. Weren't done. Have on we a, seen any of those other episodes yet? No, this is no. the first one. Okay. We do get another one this season. All right. <laughs> which is my personal favourite. I think I know which one that is too. No spoilers. <laughs> uh, you know, you've got the musical episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a few scattered about. Yeah. So. But I probably should say that this is a full spoiler podcast and... Should you? Well, I've missed the whole intro. Oh, okay. <laughs> Damn it. We're doing it, we're doing it backwards today, are yeah. we? Yeah. Well, I think everyone knows this is, a, this is full spoilers today. Well, I'll just do a little warning for All everyone. Right. Warning. This is a full spoiler podcast. I'm a huge fan, but Jared has never watched the series all the way through and I'm trying to convince him it's worth his time. Definitely worth it. Definitely worth Def- it. Uh, this, I, I like this episode. I'm going to say, say it off the bat. I really like this episode. It was, <laughs> it was uh, creepy. It was uh, it was funny. It was uh, it had everything in it, really, I have to say. I, yeah, I like this episode. Yeah. Yeah, the only criticism, and it's a very small criticism at that, is Let me that. Guess. Riley? No. Okay. Not even Riley is no? the no? issue in this. No, he's actually quite important in this episode. Um. It's actually the lack of emotional punch. There's no sort of tearjerker scene, like okay. something that has an emotional resonance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I guess so. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about it now. There was no emotional stakes in this, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You're right on that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those episodes that's actually debate. Like I've seen lots and lots of message boards and, you know, Facebook groups and that, and they debate. When trying to get someone who's unfamiliar with Buffy, and I think I've talked about this with you before, mm-hmm. uh, the episodes that are good to show people. But the first episode to get them into it is this, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. this is just to give them that little taste of what it can be, so that when you show them season one, <laughs> <laughs> it's not such a shock, and they're mm. like, "What the fuck is this shit?" <laughs> like what you did, you'll like when you, you know how bad you didn't particularly like season no, one. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. Um I always say early season two episodes, like I reckon um School Hard. Oh uh, yeah. The introduction of Spike. I think that's the perfect episode to mm-hmm. introduce someone to Buffy. Yeah. With. Okay. Uh this one, I don't know, like a lot of people think it's really good because it is, you know, the height of Buffy, but sometimes I think it might just get that little bit lost on yeah a little who's too far forward in this in the story I think to start introducing someone saying oh this is the show and like who are these characters and who's that girl and who's that guy and why is it vampire yeah but from I also a, don't think, yeah but I also don't think they would appreciate it mm. <laughs> that's the other thing yeah. 
But then again, it, it's yeah, as I said, it's so debated. Some people swear by it. Mm. Other people are like, no, nah, I showed it to a friend. They they were on their phone the whole time. <laughs> they didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, because as I said, put it, those it, phones away. Yes. Yeah. Um. And you know what? There are so many essays, articles, podcasts. <laughs> add, to, add that one to the list huh? um, after this episode, huh? Yeah, what else? Um, books, I'd imagine, even. Yeah, maybe. books, essays, you name it, mm. like um, done on this episode alone. Mm. Like it's one of those episodes that you can pull apart. <laughs> So yeah. much to the point where I was almost overwhelmed with how much you can analyze <laughs> this episode. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yep. Well, so I, I like so personally, I'm probably not going to do this justice. Um, and you I'll, always do it justice. And you do I'll, well, I'll mention a few things that have been mentioned and like a lot of the metaphors and themes mm-hmm. throughout this. Like there is one clear theme. Yeah. Throughout this episode, but. There's lots of little subtexty things throughout. Well, we'll get into the subtext, Eddie. We'll do yeah. our best. So be patient with us. We'll yeah. try and mention I'll do my something best. else that I'll someone do else my has best. mentioned. <laughs> if there's anything else we can add to the conversation of this, we'll do our best. But I doubt we can add much, but we'll we'll give it a go. But let's get the summary out of the way and All we'll right. get back into it, Eddie. Okay. During a lecture where Professor Walsh is discussing the difference between language and communication, Buffy has a dream in which Riley kisses her. They're interrupted by a young girl holding a distinctive box, singing a cryptic rhyme about the gentleman. Can't even shout, can't even cry, the gentlemen are coming by. They're looking in windows, knocking on doors, they need to take seven and they might take yours. Can't call to mom, can't say a word, you're gonna die screaming but you won't be heard. Wow. It's even creepy just hearing you saying that, to be honest. <laughs> Riley and Buffy speak after class that they almost kiss, but are unable to stop talking. Buffy calls Giles to tell him of her dream and the details of the little girl's rhyme. In the middle of Xander and Anya's argument with each other over the meaning of their relationship, Giles asks Xander to allow Spike to stay over at his house as Giles' girlfriend Olivia will be visiting him from London for a few days. Meanwhile, Willow attends a meeting of the campus Wicca group, hoping to meet others who share her interest in studying witchcraft, but are disappointed that they only talk about bake sales. Willow raises the subject of spells, but is chastised for pandering to the stereotype about witches performing magic. A shy woman in the group, Tara, starts to speak up to support Willow's suggestion, but falls silent when the attention turns to her. That night, as Sunnydale sleeps, white wisps float from each person's mouth to a bell tower where they settle in a box from Buffy's dream as ghoulish skeleton figures with metal tooth grins and impeccable black suits look on. In the morning, Buffy and Willow discover they are unable to speak and become visibly distressed. They soon discover that everybody is unable to speak. The group gathers at Giles where they see the news is reporting that Sunnydale is suffering from epidemic of laryngitis. Buffy and Riley, each concerned that the chaos will ensure, find each other attempting to keep order in the streets. Buffy does not know about Riley's paramilitary role as an agent of the initiative. He, in turn, is unaware that she is a slayer. They exchange a look and then they first kiss before parting to continue their efforts. The next night, the ghouls float into town accompanied by the straitjacket deformed footmen. They knock on the door of a student. When he opens it, they hold him down and carve out his heart while he tries in vain to scream. The following morning in the campus classroom, Giles uses an overhead projector to explain to the others that the gentlemen steal the townspeople's voices so no one can scream as they gather the hearts they need and that folklore indicates that they have been vanquished before when a princess screamed, the only thing that will kill them is a live human voice. On her own, Tara finds a spell to help the town get their voices back and goes out to show it to Willow. On the way to Willow's door room, she trips, turns around and sees a gentleman floating toward her. Willow hears Tara's panicking knocking down the hall and exits her room as Tara sprints into her, sending them both tumbling. 
They lock themselves into a laundry room and try to barricade the door with a vending machine, but it is too heavy for Willow to move. Willow, who was injured, sits and concentrates on moving the machine with telekinesis. She fails, but Tara sees what she's doing. They clasp hands and the machine moves swiftly across the room, locking the door. On patrol, Riley notices shadows in the belfry and goes to investigate. Buffy finds two of the gentleman's footmen, kills one and runs after the other. Riley fights his way into the belfry and while he's embattled, Buffy crashes through the window, fighting. Who turns to attack and finds himself face to face with Buffy. She sees him as an agent of the initiative for the first time. When a footman pins her down, she sees and recognizes the box from her dream and points to Riley to destroy it. When he does so, the stolen voices escape. With her voice return, Buffy screams until the heads of the gentlemen and their footmen explode. The next day, Tara tells Willow she is special and has significant power. Riley comes to visit Buffy in a dorm room and they awkwardly begin to talk about the events of the previous night. The end. Huge round of applause for that. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't actually talk. No, they, they don't say, talk. They, they say they need to talk, but they we don't need to talk. talk. Which brings me to the to theme of this episode. The theme of the episode, Eddie. What is the theme? Well, it opens with a classroom scene. So you know what that means. It's always thematically linked. Oh, and yep, what yep. Professor Walsh was talking about, she was talking about language, the difference between language and communication. <laughs> yes, she was. Yes. Okay, yeah. And nicely picked up, Betty. As, as per usual, you see all this <laughs> shit. And this is a direct quote from Joss himself. And it says, if you start with the theme, which explores the issues relating to the limits and benefits of language and communication. And when people stop talking, they start to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> you can only communicate by stop talk way, not talking. Well, there's many different ways of communicating. Hmm. That's a whole <laughs> thing. So, <laughs> so, and then all of them have these issues dealing with uh, communication throughout the episodes well, in that opening 20 minutes. Mm. Well, you had Xander and Anya. Not- yeah, so you have um, Xander doesn't know, really know how to communicate his feelings to Anya and Anya in, a, in her inappropriate language mm-hmm. uh, is always, you know, she's always getting in trouble. <laughs> for, yeah, saying things out loud. Because it's so direct. Yeah, mm. she's so direct and she'll bring up things in inappropriate situations. Mm. Uh, you then have like Buffy and Riley and they keep talking and babbling and they're constantly trying to hide that both, you know, that they've got these secret secret other lives from the other person and it's kind of stopping them from having any real intimacy. Well, even to the point where they're about to have that moment, first moment of intimacy and they can't shut up for a second. Yeah, (laughs) Buffy starts asking questions. Yeah. And then you have Willow uh, disappointed with her Wicca group because they're all talk <laughs> and no action. I yeah. think we should have a big sale. And you have uh, Tara who has the inability to talk and communicate her ideas because she's suffering from immense shyness. Mm. Um, and, you know, once there's no sound, she sort of becomes this much stronger kind of character. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Giles just wants everyone to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> get out. Yes. Shut up and get out. Yeah. Snoo snoo time. Yes. Me want snoo snoo. Um, yeah, like I think even with Tara, she doesn't even realise that there's anything wrong until she walks into the common room and no one's talking. Yeah. Like she doesn't actually realise. Yeah, that's she true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was something I... Notice this time around, I'm like, I don't think she actually realised that there was something wrong until she went downstairs. Mm. That's how no much. No one to talk to. Yeah, she doesn't talk to anyone. Mm. Um, yeah. So, and then when when they're actually finally faced with their loss of speech, um, Buffy and Riley spontaneously kiss. Xander's actions towards Spike, like when he when he thinks uh, Anya's been hurt. Mm-hmm. And that kind of proves to Anya that he does care about her, but it's also 
he actually does care a lot more about Anya than he realises. Yeah. And again, she still manages to be so inappropriate <laughs> with that communication, <laughs> even without language. The hand gesture. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, Tara, who is super shy, um, during uh, easily expresses courage when touching Willow and, you know, they kind of combine forces mm, and... Have a little moment together too. Yeah, have a little moment. Um, so that's the theme of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, all to do with communication and language. But then there is so much subtext. All right. <laughs> but first I will talk about why I think this is probably the most cinematic episode of Buffy. Mm, yeah, go on. Uh I think it's because it does have this really good mix of, I think it's the music, the theme, um, the camera work. Like there's lots of long shots in this and like um, long shots and zooming in and... Skateboards. (laughs) (laughs) Can't trust a villain who drives a skateboard everywhere. Um, that really does add to the creepiness, though, doesn't it? The oh, them, God, them yeah. gliding around like that, you know. It, I mean, they, they could just walk, and like that's like not really that creepy. But when they're just gliding and just waving their hands around while they're doing it, like that's yeah, that brings it to the next level. But which, this episode, like, what you risk when you have no language is that it needs to be so visually interesting. So the use of like those zooms and long shots and the swinging boom camera work that's done Mm. in this episode you know it it does make a difference i I wonder if maybe what was that episode where they're in the hospital and there was that scary guy in the hospital uh yes what episode was that um killed by death is the episode you're talking about uh yeah and what was that creature called the the kinderstood the Kinderstood. Oh, that's his name. Yeah. The Kinderstood. So, would it be safe to say in that episode with that with the Kinderstood that was almost a practice run for what these creatures were? Because it was done very similarly. I think he was on a skateboard too, sort of floating around a little bit and doing the hand gestures, and not he wasn't he was a mute character as well. Yeah. So you could almost say that was a prototype. That was a that was an alpha version. Of yeah. A prototype. Yeah. Yeah. The difference being that that episode is just awful <laughs> yeah yeah but i think the, the idea was there i think the idea was, oh, but i that's think, cool. I think we can w- do that better though do that a but i think better. the one thing that i did say about that episode the one good thing about it was that monster design because mm. it was quite terrifying yeah and but the similar yeah and then they have kind of carried that into this episode because i think it's the suit and then the long the elongated fingers and everything. Uh, I think it's also the elongated smile. Yeah. That one had um, pointed teeth though. Yeah. That were a yeah. bit different. But it but it sort of pushed because of the elongated teeth, it did push that hit the mouth into this weird smile. Mm. Yeah. And again, I think he tips his hat or something to Buffy at yeah, one it, point. It's, it's the hand gestures that sort of. Yeah, and uh, reading about uh, the actors that did that, a lot of them were mimes. Yeah, so that's Doug Jones and Camden Toy, I think his name was. We'll come back to them later. (laughs) Because you can talk about about Doug Jones. We'll talk about him, but just about the monster design and and the evolution of it. So you could see that that was a a prototype. They worked worked it better and leaned more into those hand gestures and and the way that they move because they don't have a voice, so they're not – Although they did throw a little like a over over voice of a cackle or something in that, but it didn't look like he was actually laughing. In in the Kinderstood, I mean, uh, I yeah, think there was yeah. some sort of cackle he did, but it didn't look like he was actually doing it. Like they just sort of threw that in there mm. a couple of times, but they had the idea. So with the mimes, they're, they're really expressive with their hands. If you notice, they're they're mm. doing everything with their hands because they they can't do anything else. And just like a slight tilt of their the head. tilt of their head, the, the moving of their head. Just, I'm doing it now. It's probably won't fly. going a little funny. But yeah, they're they're tilting their head and they're smiling and they're and they're gesturing with their hands the whole time and that's all they really have to work with. But that's all they need. And yeah, uh, these little head nods and mm. and apparently uh, Josh's respect for mimes went up forty percent, forty percent after seeing their performances. So um, yeah, well done and that really add to the creepiness definitely. Um, yeah, I was trying to talk about the score. As well for this 
to done, music, yeah. Yeah, done by Christoph Beck. Oh, of course, yeah. Who else? So we get the introduction of the Buffy Riley love theme. All right, I didn't kiss. pick that up, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think you really start to pick up these love themes until they use them a couple of times. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, you get the Riley introduction of that. I, I personally like the Angel Buffy love theme a bit mm, better. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, the the use of silence and then the use of the score, just it's just absolutely perfect mm. for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Round of applause for Christoph Beck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the the score does kind of add this fairy tale aesthetic that um, you know it sort of does create this perfect creepy fairy tale aesthetic, I should say. Mm. <laughs> um, throughout it, like it, it really does make this. As I said, I think it's a combination of the music, the the camera work, uh, the theme, everything just kind of melds together perfectly during this episode. And yeah, and it's also probably some of Christoph Beck's finest work, I'd say. Yeah? Yeah. So that's so top tier for him, you reckon? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, it's, you know, sort of got that. It's also slightly Tim Burtony, that, or not Tim Burtony. Um, Danny Elfman. Danny yeah, Elfman. Yeah, yeah, I definitely noticed that too. He likes that sort of nursery rhyme sort the of gothic, sounding. The gothic, the gothic fairy tale yeah. kind of sounding. <laughs> Yeah, especially like in Batman Returns, I yeah. think he uses a score very similar to that. Yeah, with the circus theme sort of thrown in there a little bit yeah, too, with that I little think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the the fairy tale theme, because um, it's Buffy, it gets subverted because Buffy's, though she's seen as the princess, <laughs> yeah. like what they say at the start, uh, but she's the one that's swinging through the tower, saving Riley. <laughs> <laughs> now, sorry, just mentioning the, the fairy tale. Now, was this actually based on a fairy tale specifically? I don't I could, think so. No, because no, he mentioned it was from fairy tales, but I wasn't yeah. sure if he was talking about something specific or not. No. So no. I think Giles finds it as a fairy tale. Yeah, okay. Um, Like, like in Gingerbread. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure if he was. Yeah, so no gingerbread, gingerbread sort of also sets you know gingerbread and killed by death kind of set the groundwork. Both of those episodes are terrible episodes. Yeah. Hansel and Gretel, yeah. <laughs> that that set the Gre- Greta or what was the name? They changed it a little bit, didn't they? Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So I wasn't sure if they had gone full into fairy tale, Grim Brother Grimm's stuff. No, it was just meant to be inspired. Yeah, by those. Old gothic Grimm's fairy tales mm. that are like the real one, like before they get Disney fired. <laughs> yeah, a lot more gruesome, yeah, uh, absolutely gruesome and horrifying. Yeah. yeah, a lot less severed heads in the Disney versions, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, um, so though this doesn't create the thing like the, the trope of you know, now some you know, TV's shows doing the silent episode, mm-hmm. uh, it it kind of has become a bit of a trope like where that's what writers will do to kind of extend themselves a little bit or challenge themselves a little bit is that they do the silent episode and I was trying like so I'm thinking recently there's an episode of Mr. Robot oh well there's no dialogue there's they say like three lines yeah yeah like and it's something like I think it's like we need to talk yeah, yeah. Or oh, I think it's like I want to, I don't want to talk to you, and then it ends with I need to talk to you. <laughs> like and mate, I thought and Bo, uh, Bo Jack Horseman. Oh yeah, the swimming that, one. Yeah, that underwater episode. Yeah, that, that underwater is, one. Sorry, which, yeah, which really stands out as a good episode. Mm. Um, and then I thought, oh, I'll look up because I was I going to s- say, what about Rick and Morty? Almost did it with the snake episode. Uh, the well, it was, sni- it was yeah. all just... Oh, it's only a section of it. That I thought they were going to do that the whole episode. That would have been amazing if they <laughs> did. But I thought that maybe, no, nah, that would be sort of a trope we're doing. We don't do that. But it would have been funny if they just did all his, just hissing <laughs> throughout the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. A snake jazz. Well, it, it, it does seem like a, something that Rick and Morty would do. I think Community... Who I think community Dan Harmon was yeah, yeah part of that. Yeah, yeah like he did an episode of Community I don't the whole episode was I think the 
opening it was actually just the opening sequence was all done hmm. in silence. Uh, Mel Brooks did the silent movie. Yeah. And the only person who did speak was a famous French mime who had the only dialogue in the film. Yeah. Uh, but that's meant to be a silent movie though, so I don't know. It's not really the same. Yeah. Um, and I swear, did The Walking Dead do something with like – so there's a – they introduced these deaf – characters into the show and I swear they did like a part of the episode from their perspective all done in silence mm. can't say that. it kind of rings a bell but I'm not too sure yeah I can't yeah I can't remember if they did it or not I'm, I'm yeah I'm thinking it's something yeah something like that and then you have Doctor Who who maybe <laughs> paid homage or ripped off the silence well, they'll, they'll called the silence, and mm. they had those suits on as well. They did, and didn't they, they? had sort of bulbous sort of heads and sort of creepy and elongated fingers and stuff. But they didn't. They did actually talk though. Yeah, but you couldn't so, remember anything. No, as soon as you looked away, you didn't. You didn't remember them. But that was maybe like forty percent. It's a gentleman in some ways. Maybe it was never quite explained why they had suits. I never. I can't remember that reason for that. I think that because I was sort of meant to be like Men in Black. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So rewatching this since we've gone through the global pandemic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of hit a little differently. Really. Yeah. In what like, way? Uh, so when they're walking through the 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 town, and it's like dead quiet and. <laughs> Almost mm, empty, yeah. and it was kind of reminding me of those the times where in Melbourne we had a curfew. I know, <laughs> and it would it would just be so dead silent. Yeah, and it was creepy, I, and it was really creepy. And we we also live on a main road, and it would just be empty. Yeah, I I walked out the front and just stood in the middle of the road for about a few minutes, which I know I normally couldn't. Yeah. And not a single car on the road. Um, at times, I went to the city as well. I drove through the city at like peak times and was just flying through traffic. Like, my God, it is so quick to get to some places where there's no cars on the road. It was, uh, it was surreal. It really was. Like, yeah, and you know, it was almost, it was almost triggering when they said that they like that they were quarantining the town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt that too, actually. Yeah, lockdown. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. Those lockdown days, and and actually, when Willow and when Willow and Buffy are walking through the town, they're holding hands, and that's actually a really good way to, like, if you are in a bad situation, holding someone's hand when you can't physically talk to them mm. is actually a really good way to to be safe. <laughs> I suppose, yes. Like, yeah, yeah. So you can kind of squeeze when, when you need their attention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you see them holding hands, which is kind of odd for them to be walking around holding hands. But it is that thing where they would be using that to communicate to each other. Mm. What's going on? Like, yeah, because you don't have... Yeah. Well, if you want to get someone's attention next to you, you have to sort of clap your hands or wave your hand in their face. Yeah. Which I think what deaf people usually do, you wave your hand when you want to speak to someone who... Okay. Can't do that. No one can see that. No Jared. one can see that. Okay, right. No. And you see the parallels of the way that the initiative works and the way that the Scoobies work, and the fact that the the initiative had no clue what was going on. Yeah, <laughs> all their technology and all their fancy ass doors, and even getting into their 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 ultra secure place nearly killed them. Yeah, because they use voice recognition. And it didn't recognize them, it gassed them. Um, and then she's like, I'll oh, use the stairs in case of emergency. I'm like, okay, well, so there's no security in the stairs? Yeah. <laughs> Bit ridiculous. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, but, you know, and yeah, and they use like this high, like she uses this high tech computer to talk. Yeah. I, also, with that elevator scene, like Forrest is standing behind him and he writes, come on, come on. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you are ridiculous, boy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, is everyone in the frat house aware of their secret passageway? I'm guessing everyone in the frat house is a mem- is a soldier. Yeah, I know, because they kind of just 
calmly walked into that secret passage and I'm like there's all like people around like someone could have just walked over and seen no them. no i think all of them are actually so they're all part of the initiative yeah okay yeah that makes sense yeah uh, yeah so you've got the initiative using that high-tech equipment and then you've got giles actually, on, a, on an overhead projector <laughs> and when was the last time you saw an overhead projector <laughs> hang on hang on sorry i just want to go back to the elevator i just realized mm-hmm. something um so when he was trying to say his name into it, it didn't work and he just breathed on it. Mm-hmm. You remember Alien Resurrection? Yeah. They did have security codes where they had to breathe onto keys to get into oh, elevators. Okay. There was a scene where like um, like the lieutenant, he had to breathe onto a, a, a some sort of pad or some sort of thing on the door in order to – that was their security code, their breath. And uh, Winona Ryder had like a, a key thing with sprays on it that she had. Oh, that's right. And that's how yep. she got into the place by Aliens. using that. Yeah. Okay. So yep. it just popped in my head then. So yeah, because like, that... Joss Whedon wrote that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Joss Whedon wrote Alien Resurrection. So yes. an idea maybe popped into her head. Oh, what if that was actually a way people got into a way of a key code was to breathe onto something? That's mm. a pretty unique an idea. And uh, yeah. Yeah. What if you farted on it? <laughs> Jared. <laughs> but the overhead projector scene was uh, quite hilarious. Yes. <laughs> um, and, yeah, but when was the last time you saw an overhead projector? Oh, you know what? It's funny you mentioned that. I, yeah, I don't – I'm thinking like primary school. I don't know. Or maybe high school, yeah. No, we did have one at high school because we were making funny shapes with it. Um yeah, I, mean, I was looking at trading post to see if I can find one. Dad, <laughs> some guy selling an overhead projector. Nah. Now hang on, Steve. What's he asking? One fifty. Tell him he's dreaming. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Probably high school. Mm. But even then, I think the well, schools don't have them. No, they don't have yeah. overhead projectors anymore. Everything they've got actual screens in their school in yeah. schools these days. So an overhead projector would, yeah. It's probably there's probably one in the cupboard somewhere. I'm like, we did have a no. It was trying to think at uni, but no, it was like a projector on the ceiling mm. that just pro- it was just the computer. Yeah, so projected on the wall. There's some uh, redundant technology, isn't there? Overhead projectors. Mm. Yeah, don't see those. Generally, in. it was you just put transparencies on it. And yeah. Apparently, Buffy drew that dress too. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, Sir Michelle Gellar drew that. <laughs> Picture of her with the white hips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, just going back to the look of the gentleman. Yeah. Um. So they were meant to look Victorian, creepy, and grim fairy tale like ghouls. Mm-hmm. And Joss said, Joss said his influence for the character design was the character Nosferatu, Pinhead, and Mister Burns. <laughs> Nice. And a dream that he had in which men floated at him as he lay in bed. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted guys that would remind people of what scared them when they were children. I believe the thing that scares us most when we are children are old people. <laughs> That's not wrong or questionable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is the idea of age is a scary thing. Okay. Um, and then the design of the, the footman is, yeah, they're meant to be Renfield from Dracula inspired. Renfield, the guy, the, in the crazy guy. In the, the crazy guy, yeah. I kind of remember him a little bit. Yeah, in a straight jacket. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't Keanu Reeves' character, was it? No. No, okay. Uh, Tom, oh, Tom Petty was Renfield in the 1992 oh, right. okay. one. Dude. <laughs> okay, so I'll talk about the gentlemen as the bad guys. Well, and yeah, they're the bad guys, yeah. No, uh, and they're symbol like they've got this very layered symbolism. Oh god! All right, here we go. So, here we go. So you're probably like you can just sit there and roll your eyes. Yeah, if I roll any more, you think I'm having a stroke. <laughs> Now, these are not all, like, these are not from me. I have sourced these because there were so many and I was just curious what the symbolism actually was to do with these gentlemen. And, yeah, you can, I've seen so many different 
things read into it. But mm-hmm. yeah, here's I've got two that I thought were interesting. Um, okay. A general theory revolves around Buffy and her sexuality and the anxiety she has going into a new relationship, Uh, mainly because uh, at the start um, in the dream sequence, Riley actually turns into one of the gentlemen. Like he, he touches her shoulder and then she turns around and you get a glimpse of the gentleman and then she wakes up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some other layers were that the gentlemen are an analogy for a rapist. I was gonna, I was gonna say, you're not gonna as, talk about rape. as their biggest, as their biggest weakness against their crime is a girl screaming. Is a girl scream, <laughs> and on. silence is their ally. By silencing their victims, they have the power to overcome them, and it's not just victims. Silence, it's the whole society that has to be quiet for it to work. Oh, that's getting a bit... <laughs> um, another popular... Oh, that's getting a bit gross. <laughs> another, <laughs> another popular one was that they're a symbol of the patriarchy, oh. hiding behind smiles and politeness while keeping the masses silent, while also terrorising a selection... Um, Don't bullshit me. And you have their Renfield like footmen doing all their dirty work. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I could keep going, but you are literally your eyes are about to fall out of your head. They are. The last one was a was a bit. That's dumb. Uh, (laughs) The patriarchy. (laughs) I could go on about um, the parallels of. Riley, the way that Riley and Buffy fight and the way that Tara and Willow fight because Tara and Willow, they join forces mm-hmm. and, you know, fight against the patriarchy. <laughs> Stop the white man from coming in and killing them. And Buffy and Riley, they fight very separate. Yeah, They don't really work together. No, yeah. And you will notice in this season from here on out that the these relationships run parallel. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, well, that's the other thing we haven't really mentioned is that we get the introduction of Tara. Oh, yes. New character, Tara. Yes. Can I put her in the intro as well? Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe one, one, one time. <laughs> one time. Just the one time. Just the one time. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, played by the lovely Amber Benson. Did she go on to do much after Buffy? Um, She kind of, I think she just sort of does her own little projects. Yeah. Yeah, she does lots of little art films. And I think she so, did some directing maybe, Yeah, I think. Yeah, she, yeah, she's sort of more behind the scenes. Yeah, okay. Um, she hasn't really done anything massive, mm. but I don't think she had the greatest time on Buffy, to be no, honest. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, save that for another day. <laughs> it's going to be a very long episode. Uh, she, she, she has, she has talked quite openly about it. So, so we start to get to the development of the theme of uh, the season. I think starts to come about mm-hmm. um, or develop, and that's like maintaining relationships when life changes. Okay, yes. Yeah. Right. So keeping keeping the group together uh, when your roles change. So Right, I didn't notice that. No. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, when people get into relationships, well you've got Giles who doesn't really know what to do um now that he doesn't have a job, you know. Yeah, I guess yes. That, yeah. That's and even even uh Xander, I guess. Yeah, Xander's sort of off off to the side. Yeah. Um, you know, and they're all getting into these new relationships and finding your place with each other, trying to keep those relationships going. Yeah. So, because, yeah, because you no longer have the the high school is hell metaphor for when they're in college. So, this is more about growing up and moving on to, yeah, different avenues, so to speak. I'm yeah. not really explaining it properly. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to. Oh, you're losing me a bit there, Eddie. 
I don't, things don't stay, you know, things change. They don't stay the same. And it's trying to hold your friend group together when you're all going in different directions. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Is that probably better? I don't know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, well, I was just going to talk about what we mentioned before. Uh, the person we mentioned before, the actor Doug Jones. Yes. Who played the lead gentleman. Yes. Uh, so, this guy, you've, don't, you've probably never seen him before, <laughs> but you've seen him a lot. Yes. Now and this, I think I point him out every time because I yeah. know who he is. And I, I'm sitting there watching Star Trek Dis- Discovery and he actually has a main role in that TV show. Yeah. So this Suru. Suru, yeah. So this actor has just made a career out of playing monsters. Uh, I think because he's very tall, very thin, he can fit into outfits quite easily. Uh, he was also a mime. And a mime, which So yes, he knows yeah. how to kind of use his facial expressions and... Yeah, and his hands and gesturing, yeah. which was part of this. Which when was when the core you're of this wearing episode. lots and lots of makeup, yeah, and, <laughs> and so I think I think he was actually because because they're, they're smiling the whole time or they're gritting their teeth the whole time. He was able to maintain that like throughout the whole shoot. Apparently, like unlike some of the other actors, who, they they actually had prosthetic smiles. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah well, well, maybe. Okay. Take the, cut that part out. But he. Uh, <laughs> He, uh, yeah, he. If you just look at his IMDb page, and basically all the characters he, most of the characters he plays are, are sort of monsters, um, or sort of they're creepy, creatures, creepers. What the thin clown in Batman Returns we watched the other day, he plays one of the clowns in that. There's like uh, one with a long thin head, which is him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in Hocus Pocus. Ah, uh, yes. There's a lovely story he tells about the moths. Coming okay. out of his mouth because they were they were not CGI they were real moths. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> pencil head in Mystery Men, um, and it, it, the list goes on. Um, and as Eddie mentioned, he's in uh, the Star Trek show Discovery, or as uh, Suru Suru Suru. Is it Lieutenant Suru? Suru uh, in Hellboy as that Abe Sapien. Yeah, so yeah. he was that fish guy. Yeah. Uh, Falling Skies, who played another sort of fish guy, that Cochise character, which if you haven't seen that show, don't, don't watch it. <laughs> the Silver Surfer. Oh, no, it was a video game. Did he play the Silver Surfer? No, he did. He played the Silver Surfer in um, Fantastic Four, Rise yeah. of the Silver Surfer. And he was in, what's that, what, the Oscar-winning Water Fishman. Oh, the Fishman, Under the love, s- love story. Under the Sea or something? No. <laughs> Yeah, the the merman. Never get to see a merman, do we? <laughs> <laughs> never get to see a merman. Uh, oh, what was it? I am never going to see a merman, ever. The Shape of Water. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, just an impressive actor. Oh, coming soon, Nosferatu. He is playing Count Orlok. Oh, wow. And he is born to play that role. Absolutely. I think. Absolutely. So this guy is not done yet. His career is far from over. Uh, oh, and returning, uh, returning in Hocus Pocus too. <laughs> yes. This year, twenty twenty two coming think, out. I think he found like a really good little niche market for himself. Hmm. Yeah. That yeah. you wouldn't have even thought of. <laughs> no. Yeah. And he's uh. Yeah. He's just brilliant at it too. So you know, don't laugh at mine. And so. he and he has he has some really loyal fans. I suppose it's sort of like who's the guy who did Gollum? That uh, Andy, Andy Circus. Andy Circus. It's kind yeah. of like how he. Made his name for being the CGI guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the being guy ex- behind the CGI creatures. The expressive face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you know, don't don't write those guys off. They're they um you know if they're behind a uh, a mask or anything like that, they can still come through. But he but he's also like shown his face a couple of times, but probably movies you haven't seen. So yeah, Doug Jones appreciation. Yes. Yes. Definitely. And yeah. Doug Jones. Appreciation podcast. Yeah, we we love you, Doug Jones. <laughs> we appreciate and respect your work. Um, so, Jared, have yeah. you seen this episode? So i I have seen bits of it. I definitely saw that scene where um, where Spike was drinking the blood, and Xander thought he was attacking um, Anya, and and. Proceeded to beat the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I definitely remember seeing that and bits and pieces, but I don't think I'd seen it all the way through, though. Yeah. 
like most of these episodes. Like most of these episodes, yeah. It was just on the background, like, oh, what's going on there? Yeah. Um, and did you go down any? Well, apart from holes? my Doug Jones one, but not really, no. So I actually went down a rabbit hole. You did. How dare you? <laughs> you stole my bit. Yeah, I did actually. Um, and it actually has to do with the the piece of music that Giles plays when he's doing the uh, projection um, presentation. Um, yeah, what wasn't wasn't a TED talk? What do you call it? <laughs> Hang on, what do you call it? I wrote he's doing his presentation. Presentation. It wasn't a presentation. It's exposition. Okay. Yes, exposition. Yeah. yeah that's so he better. has to. He does. He can't speak his exposition, so he does a full projection slide or transparency mm-hmm. slideshow. Um, and it's the piece of music that he plays. Oh yeah, that sort of that opera is music, called, was it? No, it's not an opera. It's all classical. Um, and it's called the Dance Macrab by Camille Saint Saens. I am terrible at everybody is pronouncing other languages. I'll just say all languages. What language? What language? Uh, oh, it's okay. French. Okay, all right. Particularly French. I'm <laughs> very bad at French. Um, we. Oui. So, but yeah, Dance Macrab which is when translated into English is the dance of death. (laughs) Mm, Okay. Um, Dance Macabre. Yes. Now there is a song. There's a song called Dance Macabre. I know that song. It's from Ghost. By Ghost, yes. So that's what led me down a little Ah, bit of a rabbit hole. Oh, okay. I don't like that song though. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit tinny poppy. Because I wanted to see if it was at all... Related to it, um, and then I like bring up Spotify and play that ghost song, and well, first of all, I went and looked up what that piece of music was inspired by. According to legend, death of, and this was the inspiration for the dance macrab, the one by the French man. Um, according to legend, death appears at midnight every year on Halloween. Death calls forth the dead from their graves to dance for him while he plays his fiddle. Um, his skeleton dance, his skeletons dance for him until the rooster crows at dawn, when they must return to their graves until the next year. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and then I went and looked at the lyrics for the ghost song, mm-hmm. and it actually did. I think it starts with... Um, it starts with a stupid intro, or the video clip does, with like someone going to a party. Okay. Yeah, I didn't no. look at, I didn't look at <laughs> yeah, that. Okay. I, I was just looking at the lyrics, and it's like when the chimes ring at midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's talking about... Then it sings about dancing in the moonlight. <laughs> okay. So inspired by that song? It is not. <laughs> no, oh, okay. It's not. But I... Yeah, I'm like I'm like looking at, and then I go to Wikipedia to actually find out whether it was inspired by this piece of music because that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it was in fact. Oh yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. So what it ends up actually being about, Jared, is yeah. that it's actually about the Black Death and partying pretty much till you die of the Black Plague. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just noticed they got those black, uh, the plague sort of doctors, those beaks and stuff in yeah. the video clip. Yeah. So it's about partying all night because you're dying of the Black Death. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So it's not about dancing skeletons. Yeah. So it wasn't about dancing skeletons. Well, it's maybe some inspiration in I lyrics. I have a feeling uh, the fact that it opens with that the chimes at midnight. But uh, everyone says that, you know, so. But that's very specific, the dance macabre and dance, you know. Yeah. Oh, it also has the same name. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, there's definitely some influence there. Definitely some influence. 
The song's not that bad, but it's not their greatest. <laughs> Uh, yes, and yeah, it's the twelve stroke. Yeah, so I think that it starts with like the twelve strokes of midnight. Has all these soft uh, chords, and then you've got the solo um, violins of the mm. devil. Yeah. Apparently, that he's playing the devil's note. Oh, it's playing a tritone, 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 which is also known as yeah, the devil's music. Okay. Yeah. Grunge. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That All was right. that was my little. No, I said it was good. Rabbit hole. Yeah, it was a solid five out of seven for that. <laughs> All, All right, right. we ready for questions? Yeah, time? let's get into it. ask you a bunch of questions and I want to have them answered immediately. Okay, Jared. Yes. Which character was your favorite in this episode? The gentleman. The gentleman. The gentleman. I'm going to go with Tara. Oh. The introduction of Tara. Oh, fof. What would you say? Oh, poff. No. <laughs> oh, piffle. <laughs> uh, which character do you love to hate? Characters, I'm going to give it to the Wicker Group. I think we should have a bake sale. <laughs> Who yeah. left my candle? Who left your candles burning on my women power shrine? Oh, God, yeah, get rid of them. Yeah, uh, yeah. My, I'll go with the gentlemen and their Renfield footmen. Um, they are very creepy. They are the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what was the most memorable fight scene? So the whole bell tower fight scene was yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really co- uh, choreographed really well. I I thought. Yeah, uh, you've got Buffy swinging from the rafters. <laughs> to yeah, literally little, swinging from the rafters. I think she also like jumps in through a window. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's her entrance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's very uh, very fairy tale like. <laughs> it's in in yeah in that way. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the same. Like, I've got the same yeah. answer. Oh, the correct one. Yes, the correct one. <laughs> um, okay, LOL moment. So, the exposition scene mm-hmm. and uh, Buff, uh, I think Xander asks, how do we kill the um, the the gentleman? Mm-hmm, yeah. And Buffy does a little gesture with her hand like that. She does a little wanky drip. The wanky gesture. <laughs> and everyone's like, huh? You're going to do what to him? <laughs> like, then she gets a steak. Out. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was funny. So my LOL moment is when Spike is making fun of uh, Xander in the dark going, Xander. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just doing this weird voice going, why don't you love me, Xander? <laughs> Just teasing him in the dark, just mm. poking the bear a little bit. Yeah, he's good at that, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, Favourite scene, Jared? Uh, I like the scene where Xander was beating the shit out of Spike when he thought they were that he was uh, eating. Had Anya. eaten Anya. Had, had eaten Anya. Yes. Yes. Um, and then Anya wants to repay, uh, repay the favour by doing her hand. Oh, no, she, it's more not repay the favour. She just realised that he does actually care about yeah. her. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, mine's the Giles, the overhead projection exposition scene, the poorly drawn transparencies, <laughs> and, you know, that dramatic piece of music in the background. Um, you know, there's lots of little miscommunications in that. Mm-hmm. Scene, as you said, we mentioned the little wanky one. Um, yeah, so you got Giles's bad drawings are just hilarious. Like I see people wearing t-shirts with that imagery <laughs> Buffy on, on patrol. It. Yes, um, and Anya sitting there with her pack of chips, <laughs> like, like she's at a movie. Yeah, she's yeah. loving it. <laughs> she's enjoying this. Like, this is fun. Um, and you know it's. Possibly one of the best scenes in the series. Okay. Yeah. And the fact that Giles is so dramatic and he puts the music on, the fact that he has music to put on. Yeah, it's, he it's thought of to put funny. music on, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, least favourite scene, Jared. Uh, Willow and Buffy in their dorm talking about their feels. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have the Buffy Riley talking at the start of the episode where they're lying and she's like patrolling tonight. I mean, petroleum. <laughs> what the hell? Going to get some sniff, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that whole scene. And yeah, they're nearly kissing and then not kissing. Mm, okay, yeah. All right. Uh, favorite quote? Uh, so my favorite quote was the Spike Xander scene that you just mentioned before. All right. And uh, so Spike says, I don't see why... Uh, I ha- can I... I'll read the, I'll read the Spike. You read okay. Xander. All right, go on. Uh, start with Spike. I don't see why I have to be tied up. It's just while I'm sleeping. Like I'll bite you anyway. Oh, you would. Not bloody likely. I happen to be very biteable, pal. I'm most moist and delicious. All right. Yeah, fine. You're a nummy treat. And don't you forget it. <laughs> it's the nummy treat. Nummy treat. <laughs> nummy treat. Um, yeah, that, that's probably one of my favourite quotes as well. Yeah. Um, but I will do go with, can't even shout, uh. can't even cry. <laughs> the gentlemen are coming by. The whole thing. They're looking in windows, knocking on doors. They're going to take seven and they might take yours. I won't do the rest. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, who gets the wooden spoon? I gave it to Olivia. Oh, Why? Uh, she was barely in it. But she was there. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I just went with the gentleman. Don't come to the town with the Slayer. <laughs> Any town. Any fucking town in the ma- world and you pick the one that has the Slayer in it. Yeah. Is it maybe their power is and, greater? And, no? and, and a military base that specialises in paranormal activity. Not that they'll any help anyway, but yeah. Or, you know, capturing demons. So if they weren't going to be caught by the Slayer... It would have been caught by the initiative. Yeah. Like you have the Slayer and the initiative there. That, yeah. w- that were done for. <laughs> got, a, got a plan better next time. Yeah. Not a great plan. Okay. Who's the MVP of the episode? Oh, Buffy. Yeah. Buffy, because she is the princess in this. She's the princess. She is the princess. She screams. She kills them. Mm-hmm. She knows. T- she gets the prophetic dream. Tells her that. It's all contained in really that handy that too, box. isn't it? Yeah, comes in handy those prophetic dreams, mm. doesn't it? And what do you rate this episode out of ten? Oh wow, we get a drum roll! I gave this episode nine and a half <gasps> skateboards. Whoa! That's... Nine, and, nine and a half, almost a ten. Oh wow! I don't know if I could do ten. Can I do ten? You might get there one day. One day, yeah. One day. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Skateboards. Yeah, no, for this one, 10 out of 10. Prolific dreams with creepy kids singing. It's always a creepy kid singing nursery rhymes, (laughs) isn't it? Well, that's generally who they're for. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Who else is going to be singing? It's probably creepier if an old man is singing it. Hey, why don't I do that then? It's always (laughs) always a child singing a nursery rhyme with the same. It's almost like a a complete ripoff of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. That Mm. I know you're paying homage to it, but it just seems to be just ripping it off a little too close to home. Maybe I don't know. Being a dream sequence as well. Yeah. So anyway, all is forgiven. Yeah, it is that kind of a shame, sort of watching the fall from grace that Joss Whedon has had. No. Oh. When, you, when you get episodes, like when you watch an episode like this and you see that genius at work mm. and it's just such a shame. Well, look, I mean, people can come back from these things, you know, so yeah. who knows? I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't think he, like, yeah. I don't think he can come back from it because it is that thing where he now has that, his difficult to work with reputation you yeah. don't he's not someone people want to work with yeah but look whereas once being, whereas once upon a time people would have been you know stampeding in line to work with mm, him i know but look people can come back and look yeah i think that um that justice league movie probably destroyed him a little bit too he was probably under the pump so hard to get that movie finished and to complete someone else's work so it never really feel like you're 
your creation, you know, like I th- I think it was a little he probably shouldn't have taken that job on. I almost felt like that was a bad move. But aside from the other all the other stuff that we won't go into, uh yeah. Who knows? You never know. Never say never. Yeah, definitely probably one of the, his Yeah, probably the worst career movie made was working on Justice League. Yeah. So Oh, all right, Eddie. Uh anything else you wanted to add? I I think I'm done. This is going to be a very long episode, so I think we'd better wrap this up, eh? Yeah. So, uh, I hope you've enjoyed your time with us tonight. We are Nerd Subculture. My name is Jared. I'm Edwina. And you can find us on... TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. There is a Facebook group, and you can email us at nerdsubculture at gmail.com. If you follow our socials to the yeah. link tree, we have merch if you feel like helping us out. Yeah, support the channel any way you can. Hey, just a thumbs up or a like is support too. But, you know, like I said, my, my Ferrari's in the shop. We need a new one. It'd be really <laughs> handy. So, until next time, take care. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. have a bake sale.